right, Jared. Here. Got some uh, Whitney Houston bringing us some higher love here coming in this Super Bowl Sunday. How are you today? Doing pretty good. Uh, probably the biggest betting day of the entire year right here. Oh, I am incredibly, incredibly excited. Um, bringing it into, I guess, our final episode of the football season. We might continue a little bit, a little more sporadic, um, putting out some podcasts as we approach later into the off season. Just football is obviously America's king and betting king. So we're going to have some... I shouldn't say something. We're going to have a lot of fun here today breaking down the Super Bowl. A couple other things that we want to talk about, of course. Um, I don't really have much to say. I'm excited. So I think we should just get into it. Uh, Introductions out of the way. I'm Adam. My counterpart is Jared. Uh, We are at odds. And we're going to be giving you all the money on the Super Bowl and how to line your pocketbooks, how to line your checkbooks, how to line your bank account for today so we can get into the offseason a little bit richer um, then we came into Super Bowl Sunday. Jared, before we get into the festivities tonight, uh, we got to break down our last week, uh, two weeks ago, I should say, because we, we skipped out on last week, given there was really no football. Um, I didn't do so hot, but I'll let you, I'll let you take it first. Uh, so I was about as wrong as you can possibly be on the Connor Cowboy fight with the over one and a half. It lasted about 30, 40 seconds. Uh, it was a wonderful fight, though. It's good to see Connor back. Um, <clears throat> he's good for the sport. Wings and Panthers, never sweat that one. The Wings are having a very hard time covering that one and a half. Uh, Florida-Auburn, the Vegas hunch I talked about, proved itself correct. That was and then Raquel, Raquel Pennington, that was one of those ones that didn't have a lot of faith in, but it was it was worth the odds, I thought. And she went the distance, so it wasn't a terrible fight, but she definitely lost. That's why I only put five on it, and then... <clears throat> Titans, they just couldn't really hold with it. They didn't really get blown out, but they just they were outmatched. And, and what what can you say? You're wrong once in a while. Yeah, I was wrong a lot last week, not just once in a while. But um, I had the Titans plus 290. It looked decent early on, but honestly, when you're watching that game, you never really felt like the Titans were going to win that game, even though they were up 10 in the first quarter. Same with kind of the to a lesser extent, how the Chiefs battled back against the Texans. Um, Celtics minus six. They lost that game straight up. That was just terrible. Uh, Derrick Henry, Aaron Jones, and uh, Damian Williams combining for 300 yards. That didn't really get that close either. Derrick Henry let me down. Chiefs defense really, really came to play. So that was a little more surprising than I thought it was going to be. Most passing touchdowns, that was an easy bet. I should have put more on that because I was pretty confident. I was getting even odds for Mahomes. So I won that one. And then my teaser, I got screwed on my teaser. I hit my Green Bay 49ers easy over and lost my Tennessee Chiefs leg of it by half a point. They put up 59. I had 58 and a half. Um, So a little bit of a rough week there, but, yeah, you know, it is what it is. I'm still up uh, large total coming into this week. I'm at 272 units. So still trying to get to that triple up figure, but have been battling right around there for a little while. Our head-to-head, Jared. Last week, we each picked – it's going to be a little unique how we do it this week compared to last. We each picked a team to win the championship games and then go into the Super Bowl, and you're going to get a bonus point. I picked the Titans, lost. You took the 49ers and won. So our head-to-head record's four and six. You're up. If the 49ers win this week, you get a two-point bonus um, to that as well. So you're going to maybe take a commanding league there in the head-to-head. We'll talk about that a little bit more later. But enough. Enough of last week. I did terrible. I don't – on it anymore this is super bowl sunday jared 
bring it on home. What do we, what's our first bet? I know we're not talking about football first, but, but either way, I'm excited. All right, guys. As Adam said, it's the Super Bowl. Let's do it. Here we go. Over to the MMA world. John Jones. <laughs> um, <laughs> Adam talked a little snippet about this a couple weeks ago. I think he was saying he'll finally get in the MMA picks when John Jones is up. And, well, here we are, guys. I know it's not this weekend. Uh, we probably won't be able to get a podcast in before next weekend, though, so we're going to go ahead and talk about tell it. Him, tell him why <laughs> we won't get a podcast in. I will be going on a cruise and trying to avoid the coronavirus. So uh, exactly. I have a little bit of cough right now, so I might already have it. You never know. Uh, so let's make this a good Super Bowl day. <clears throat> um, do, we, do we have odds on your coronavirus infection? That, that's got to be like a plus 1,800 or like plus 2,000. Yeah. <laughs> well, we can see if anyone wants to make the line. Uh, right now I'm thinking it's about a plus 2,000 that I have it and probably about a plus 1,600 that I do get it. But uh, John Jones. Anyway, it's back to John Jones. Um, so it's going to seem a little weird that I'm picking this because everybody always hears me talk about value, 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 value. Well, it's a minus 450. It's about the opposite of value. But I think there even is value at minus 450. If you pay attention to John Jones and his recent fights, he's often been like a minus six or minus 700 favorite. It's not like. He's usually a minus 200, minus 300. He's usually up there in the six or 700. <clears throat> so this is like a, I would say a minus 400 is calling somebody a very big underdog, but not like a unbeatable underdog. And he, or not, sorry, not underdog, but favorite. He is as close as you can get to an unbeatable favorite. I would have expected these lines to be closer to minus seven, eight, or even 900. Um, I mean, just look at, listen to a couple of these key stats real quick. <laughs> And no, it doesn't necessarily say he's going to win for sure, but I believe he has 14 title fights, either counting taking the title or defending the title. Dominic Reyes, his opponent, has 12 total professional fights. So John Jones has defended or won the title <clears throat> over theoretically the best person in his division. Not always the case, but usually always a top three fighter. More times than this dude has even professionally fought. Now, if you look at how many times this guy fought in the UFC, because there's a huge delta in uh, talent between UFC and other divisions. Usually maybe at the very, very top of other divisions, you have other guys that can contend in the UFC. But a lot of those lower-level guys in those other divisions are pretty much nobodies. He only has six UFC fights, where John Jones has 14 title defenses. <clears throat> Dominic Reyes' best opponent he's probably beaten is Jared Conier. I don't know exactly how to say it. Um, big fan of him with that first name, but he's like a a good fighter. Don't get me wrong, but he's not even somebody that's up there contending for the title division. John Jones has beaten probably eight guys that are better than Dominic Reyes, and Dominic Reyes hasn't even fought somebody in the same, not even the same page, same chapter, even the same book as John Jones. I think he is just going to get overwhelmed. One thing John Jones does a lot when he fights people is Dominic Reyes does have a great striking stand-up game. <clears throat> but John Jones has the best all-around game anybody's ever seen in any fighting sport. He has had this recent trend where he likes to beat people at their own game. I do think, though, with striking, it's a little bit more dangerous because you can get caught. I would expect him to probably kind of feel it out a little bit, but I, I think he'll eventually just take him down to the ground and just work him. Don't let him ever set up. Don't let him ever do anything. Just go beat him. John Jones seems like a changed guy. He used to be this bad dude getting in all kinds of trouble, partying before fights. 
at least for his recent four to five fights, he said he's taken it very seriously. He's done very long training camps. He's been fighting a little bit more cautious in the ring to make sure he doesn't get caught and lose. He just looks like a, a new guy who's really noticed that he really has the chance to make his mark and go down as the greatest of all time and honestly make it very hard to catch. I don't think he's going to go in here and take this one lightly. I think he wants to really prove to the world that he's the greatest thing that's ever come to this sport and just keep walking through these guys and eventually make that move up to heavyweight. But if he loses that, that heavyweight, now all of a sudden he has to put on the back burner for a year or two when he defends his title again. So I got John Jones. I'm going 15 units for, I think there's about 350 return at minus 450. Yeah, not a great return on that, but I've got the same thing as I foreshadowed last time when I when we talked. I'm not much into UFC, but I've really liked John Jones for a long time, actually maybe like seven or eight years ago when I was really big in the Muay Thai. John Jones was the guy that I would follow, and the Muay Thai instructor, to give inspiration, would tell you, go pick a fighter that you want to watch and try to mimic his style a little bit, because that makes it way easier to fight when you're just – well, trying to learn Muay Thai, it's really hard until you have almost like a template or a format to get your body positioning similar to this other person. John Jones isn't really a Muay Thai fighter, but he has a lot of Muay Thai similarities. So I've been following him for a long time, and I am all over this bet. I've got a 10-unit bet to return 2.25, so not much, minus 450, same as Jared. But you're about to have a little UFC breakdown from somebody who doesn't know UFC like Jared, um, which may speak to a little a little more to what you guys are looking for that aren't super keen on betting in the UFC, but let's take a look at it. Honestly, maybe I should have gone first because I don't have nearly as much to say on this as Jared, but I think the biggest thing is exactly what was stated before. Dominic Reyes, he's got six career UFC fights, six career UFC fights, only 12 total professional fights, but six career UFC fights. John Jones has almost been suspended for cocaine and steroids more than he has his opponent have UFC fights. It's like a whole different world. John Jones, you're looking at as one of the best fighters of all time. And if he didn't get in this legal trouble and these suspensions, I'm convinced would already have that title as the best fighter of all time. Dominic Reyes is more of an up and coming fighter. I'm going to take the proven literal greatest fighter of all time over somebody who has looked good against unknown people. Like if I'm looking at these people that he fought, I know Jared said his best opponent was Jared Canyon Norian or Canon Arian, whatever. I don't even know anybody he's ever fought except for Chris uh, Weidman. So like he's fought one person that I know he won, but when you look down John Jones track record, John Jones professional fight resume, it speaks for itself. I mean, you go down the list and almost everybody, even if you don't follow UFC that he's beat, you know, Tiago Santos, Anthony Smith, Alexander Gustafson, Daniel Cormier, which was a no contest, but Daniel Cormier again, like Alexander Gustafson, Victor Belfort, Rashad Evans, Leona Machida, Quentin Jackson, like these people, this is going back a while, almost 10 years going back, but he has a just an outstanding resume compared to Dominic Mm. Reyes. It's minus 450 for a reason. Everybody pretty much knows John Jones is going to win unless Dominic Reyes gets a little lucky. (laughs) This breaks it down more than anything. You look up their Wikipedia. What was that? Listen to this as you're saying it too. I think you made a great point that, I mean, it's the greatest of all time and you're getting him at minus 450. Here's his last fight since 2011. He was a favorite of minus 516. Minus 645, 
minus 562, minus 1,000, minus 1,100, minus 1,000, minus 625. Then he dipped to 240, but he was fighting Daniel Cormier, a very proven guy who was actually the, was a heavyweight title holder, back to minus 750, minus 340 against the guy he barely beat, minus 340, or minus 900, minus 700, minus 500. Now you're getting him at minus 450. He's always been much more than a minus 450. And I've watched, I don't know, probably around <clears throat> maybe uh, – 15 or so UFC fights in my life, and probably like eight of them have been John Jones. One of the coolest things I've ever seen in sports is John Jones was fighting Chael Sonnen, and John Jones broke his toe in half in like the first or second round, literally in half. And he knew if he didn't beat Chael Sonnen that round, they were going to have to stop the fight, and he was going to lose based on, I don't even know what they call it, the TKO, I think, at that point, Jared? Yeah, I, I think they usually would call it a TKO or a doctor's stoppage or something. Yeah, because his toe was literally broken off. So for the next two minutes of the fight, John Jones literally dominated Sonnen so hard with a toe that was literally broken in half and won the fight. That was just one of the coolest things I've seen in all the sports. So free money here, even though it is minus 450. I'm going to put, like I said, 10 to return 225. I actually had a little more to say on that UFC fight than I thought I would, but free money. Follow at odds here. I think we're putting a total of 25 units to return. Only like five units back, but that might be the biggest combined bet that we've made. So I mean, far. like a good point. Alexander Gustafsson, their first fight was almost, you could almost argue Alexander won. <clears throat> I mean, I rewatched it. I thought Jones won, but it was a very close, probably three to two rounds. In their second fight, John was still a minus 340. So that's a guy that almost beat John. John was still a minus 340. So you're getting a minus 450 against some dude who's never been tested before in his career. Yes, things can happen, but that's like a one in 50 chance. This guy goes and wins, and you're getting a minus 450. Don't be dumb, people. Take the free money when it's there. <clears throat> okay. Are we ready to move on from that one? I'm ready to move on from that. I, like I said, I came into this with like four words I was thinking I was going to say on that <laughs> UFC fight, and I, I said a little bit more than I thought I was. So I'm ready. Let's hear what you got for college basketball, I think, is your next one. So my next one is probably going to be uh, about a four-word analysis. I have a Nebraska-Omaha minus one at home versus South Dakota. <clears throat> um, honestly, it's because the line looks a little funky. And this isn't quite as much as I usually like to look for, but South Dakota, I think, was significantly a little bit higher rated, a little bit better record. And they're given uh, Omaha-Nebraska. I can't remember the exact record of each team, but I think it was like a – Slightly above 500 versus a well above 500 team. And when you got the line in favor of the other one, I don't know. I've been not literally tracking this, but looking at this kind of stuff now for a couple months, and it, it really does seem to work out. Again, nothing's ever going to be perfect, but more often than not, Vegas knows what they're doing. Um, if you look at the odds real quick, or the, yeah, okay, so South Dakota's 15 and 8. So they're about 65% winning time. Two thirds of their games are winning versus Omaha's 12 and 10. They're just above 500. Usually I like a little bit bigger spread between the teams right there. But, I mean, I still think that shows one team's just about a 500 team and the other team is probably beating most teams they play except the really good ones. And you got the, you got the, the line favor in Omaha. I just, to me, that shows that Vegas knows something's a little bit different about this game. Either Omaha is going to play tough at home, maybe South Dakota's tough on the road. Honestly, you can call me stupid. I don't even take my time to analyze these games. I just take them and I bet them. And it, it, maybe I've been getting lucky, but I've been doing it for probably 
40 to 50 games now, and I would say at least 50 or 55, 65% of them are hitting. So we'll keep rolling. I did the same thing with Auburn and Florida. We'll see how it works. I mean, start kind of looking back and seeing how it works over the history of the show. But give me Omaha, baby. Give me that minus one. All right. Uh, What's your, what was your nine fifty two? Ten units. Ten for nine fifty two. I might tell that you've been. I'll tell you what you've been before. You were the UFC guru. That was the title I gave you. I think you've turned into the Vegas hunch guru. Um, I've. <laughs> I, I think I kind of coined the Vegas hunch term way back early in the day, but I didn't follow it nearly as much. It was just kind of a way for me to describe things that looked weird. Uh, Jared took it to a whole nother level, and like I said, or like he said, he's been tracking it a little bit, and it's paid off handsomely i think pretty much every time he texts me he's like vegas hunch this team this team i mean five hours later he'll be like vegas is right hit it it's <clears> it's funny so you did coin it because i remember some other game me being like oh man so and so is a dog right here i'm taking him you're like i don't know that's a little hunchy to me yeah and then i just thinking back i remember being on the wrong side of that all the time you think you got an edge and you're like oh man they got like a good one was the Rams versus Cowboys. The Rams were playing way better, but they were Cowboys are three point favorite. I was like, oh man, money line all day on these Rams. Cowboys go out and win by twenty or something like that. So I'm sorry, what was your bet on that? You said ten to return eight something. Nine fifty two. Cool. Because I don't care. We're talking NFL now, and I think we're all excited. We've spent the first 15, 20 minutes here talking about non-NFL-related stuff. But I'm going to bring us right into it, right into the thick of things. First thing, I'm going to start off here, Jared. I'm going to take some Jimmy G. I'm going to take porn star Jimmy, as uh, Stephen A. Smith would call him. And my first one is a prop bet. Actually, I'm going to have a couple prop bets. But my first one is Jimmy G to have over 249 passing yards and two or more passing touchdowns. Um, that's going to come at a plus 140. I'm going to be betting five units on that to return seven. Now, this one doesn't require a whole lot of analysis, honestly. I think Kansas City is going to score points. I think the 49ers are also going to have to score points in order to keep up with them. It sounds dumb to say it like that. It really does. But when you look at the actual, the nitty gritty of it. So I said a little bit earlier that the Derrick Henry pick to get 300 ish rushing yards was a mistake because Kansas city's defense was more real than I had anticipated. They held Derrick Henry to 69 rushing yards. Nice. Great. number to hold them to, but regardless, the point is, is they shut down the Titans running game. I think that the 49ers have a better running game than the Titans do, not running back necessarily or even offensive line, but because of the creative zone blocking scheme, Kyle Shanahan runs and their offense and motions, they have the most pre-snap motion out of anybody in the NFL. By the way, Kansas City is third and Baltimore was second. So if you're looking and last year, I'm pretty sure the Rams were like third or second. If you're looking to build a creative offense, motion pre-snap apparently is a great indicator. So believe it or not, Apparently that confuses the defense more than you would think. But regardless, what I was the whole point of me going into that was saying is this Kansas City rush defense is pretty legit. I'm not going to say that they're a great defense, but they've got a solid defense. And if you think that Kansas City is going to come into this game and their game plan is going to be to try to shut Jimmy G down, I think you're fooling yourself. There's been games where the 49ers have won where he's thrown the ball like six times. 
the goal for the 49ers is get a couple stops on defense, get up maybe 7 nothing or, or 10 to 3 or something early and suffocate them by running it for four or five yards every time, getting that pass rush to Patrick Holmes. That's the recipe for the 49ers to win. If Kansas City wants any chance to win, they're going to have to completely take away, not completely, but really submit and put down the running game of the 49ers, which is why I think Kyle Shanahan is then going to adapt and start throwing the ball a little bit more because he's going to realize he can't get it done with Raheem Morstead and Tevin Coleman. So that's when Jimmy G is going to air it out a little bit more. Like I said, this is more a game flow bet than anything. I really think that Kansas City is going to put the pressure on the 49ers to score points. Maybe the 49ers go down earlier. Maybe just their running game isn't clicking early on and they're going to have to rely on Jimmy G. Keep in mind, 250 yards passing and two touchdowns is not very high at all, um, especially for a quarterback that has capabilities of playing in the Super Bowl. So we're not talking about a game manager like like uh, Ryan Tannehill or Nick Foles, even though Nick Foles lit up the Patriots defense. We're talking about a legit quarterback that Bill Belichick wanted to keep over Tom Brady. So like when you take a look at the situation, I feel like getting positive odds for your quarterback to have a pretty good. Yeah. All right. I don't even know if the middle version recorded, but oh well, Super Bowl picks will be in there. (laughs) All right. So Super Bowl picks. So I'm taking San Francisco minus two and a half um, for 121 or Plus 121, 10 for 12 units in return. Uh, Adam, you can lead us into yours, and I guess we can go from there. Yeah, I'm going to take the opposite side of the bet, so it's going to make for a entertaining conversation. I'm taking KC Moneyline for, you ready for it, drumroll, the largest bet in at-odds history. I'm putting 30 units on Kansas City to win the Super Bowl straight up. Um, I got it at even. I was hoping to get it at like plus 105 or something since the 49ers are are the favorites, but I got it 30 to return 30. I don't need $31. I don't need 31.50 or whatever it's going to give me. Give me that 30 back. Kansas City all day. So um, real quick, too, I wish I would have done it. And you can go back and listen if you want. I think about five or six weeks ago, do you remember me saying that uh, Kansas City plus 600 was a pretty good uh, value bet for a future Great. Super Bowl? Mm-hmm. Now, I didn't know that the Patriots were going to go choke Miami and give uh, Kansas City a bye week, so that helped out a lot. But, man, I wish I would have locked that in. You could have an easy hedge or just sit back and hope to go on a plus 600. But probably would have hedged because San Francisco is going to win. Um, the reason I like San Francisco, and let me say this, I can see either team winning this game. I just have to lean San Francisco because, one, Defense wins championships, even though we're into the offensive culture nowadays. If you go back over history, some offensive juggernauts will go on and win. But defense is consistent. Running the ball is consistent. Um, Mahomes maybe throws a little angle into that because he's probably one of the most consistent passing quarterbacks we've had in a while. But I just think the 49ers are the better overall team. Where I will give the Chiefs maybe the edge is I think if both teams played to their absolute peak, I think the Chiefs probably have a higher ceiling because with Tyreek Hill, Mahomes, they're just, I mean, almost uncoverable when they're at their absolute 100% efficiency. But I think the 49ers, on average, are a better team. I think the Chiefs, if you take away two or three of their best players, they're probably an average team at best. The 49ers could probably lose their three top players and still be a playoff team, um, if not even better than that. I don't, I don't know. I just think the 49ers are an overall better team. 
I think if both teams play a bad game, the 49ers win. I think if both teams play a pretty good game, the 49ers win. I think if both teams play a really good game, the 49ers win. The only way I see Kansas City playing is if they play an absolutely phenomenal game and the 49ers do not. Again, I give the ceiling tie to the Chiefs, but I give everything else to the 49ers. So that's why I'm rolling with the 49ers here. I like the analysis. Unfortunately, it's just just misguided, but it's okay. I'll show you. So I'm going to take this back to a turning point in the Kansas City Chiefs season. Patrick Mahomes gets injured, and their entire season changes for the better. Actually, when this happened, and we figured out it was not a serious injury for Mahomes, he was going to be back in the timeline was like three to six weeks or something. I think it took him like four weeks to come back. But when this happened and the injury came out as non-serious, I remember saying this is going to be good for Kansas City because they were exclusively winning games by Patrick Mahomes putting the team on their back and just trying to win football games. I think in big moments when your key players get hurt, if you are a good team, it makes you better because you have to figure out a way to win outside of just this one factor of Patrick Mahomes. Because if he has one bad game, your team loses. So the Chiefs have relied heavily on Patrick Mahomes to win games. You can look back to this season, last season, when they went to the NFC or AFC Championship and lost to the Patriots. Now, that wasn't that was 100% not Mahomes' fault. I think they put up like over 30 points. That He never touched the ball even in overtime. Their defense couldn't stop him. That's because that team never learned to win without Patrick Mahomes. They were playing the entire season because Patrick Mahomes was LeBroning them, Michael Jordaning them, whatever you want to say, putting the team on the back. That's why I think LeBron changed sports a little bit, struggles a lot of times in the postseason, is because the team doesn't know how to win outside of LeBron. They're just so center focused on LeBron winning the game that when they come up against a great team and the team doesn't shut down LeBron, they just keep them in check. The rest of the team can't put their shit together and win the game. That's how I feel about this Mahomes team with the 49 or with the chiefs. Now there was a long winded analysis to say, let's go back to week 10 when Mahomes came back, but let's see this season since the chiefs came back with Mahomes, they lost to Tennessee since then they did not lose a game. And listen to the points they gave up because the defense learned they have to stop teams to win, and they learned to do that. 17 points win, 9 points win, 16 points win, 3 points win, 3 points win, 21 points win. That was the regular season. The playoffs were a little bit different. They they lost or they won by giving up 31 and 24. But if you remember, almost all of those points for both of those games were given up in the first half. For The Houston Texans had 24 in the first half. The Tennessee Titans had 17, I think, in the first half. Second half, they both combined for 14 points. This is a different Kansas City defense, a different Kansas City team than we have known to see. That's why I think they are the better. I think the 49ers are the better team, but Kansas City is a good enough team for Patrick Mahomes to be the X factor and win the game. I saw a stat. This will be my last thing. Total quarterback rating. Total quarterback rating. So that includes everything. You know how clutch the time is. Third down conversions are worth more. If you run the ball as a quarterback, it's better. And it gives you – Patrick Mahomes has never had a game below 50. 50 is average. He has never had a below average game in his career. 
He's never had even a below average game. Just let that sink in. His lowest passer rating is like, or total quarterback rating is like 51.7. So his worst career NFL game is above average. That is truly mind-blowing. I always said it to you, Jared, you have to win, or sorry, I said it completely backwards. You have to lose before you can win. That was my a big theory of why LeBron would lose sometimes, why the when the Thunder went to the finals against the Heat that one time, uh, they got blown out, even though they had James Harden, Russell Westbrook, Serge Ibaka, Kevin Durant, they got ramrodded. That's why the Rams lost last year. The only exception I can really think of that rule is the Philadelphia Eagles doing it against the New England Patriots. It's very common for teams to get this far and not have that experience. That is this 49ers team. They were terrible last year. They have never been really in this situation before with this team. They were with John or Jim Harbaugh and Colin Kaepernick. But not with this team. This team doesn't know what it's like to have your back up against the wall when your season's on the line. The Chiefs do. They lost to the Patriots last year because they didn't touch the ball in overtime. Kansas City knows how to win games in this time. You got to lose before you can win. Kansas City all day. 30 units. Give me 30 back. I'm going to be rich tonight. So I'm going to add one more point to it. And here's why. I I get your X factor, Mahomes. Um... I think we're in agreement that San Francisco is the better team. Kansas City is the better X Factor. You're, you're yes. pulling for the X Factor. I'm pulling for the team. Um, just the reason I think this game stacks up poorly for Kansas City. So both teams are top five in offense. If you look at yards per play, Kansas City is number two. San Francisco is number four. So they both move the ball. They're very tough to stop. Now, if you look at yards per play given up, San Francisco has one of the best defenses to challenge the 49ers. They're number two, but they're technically tied with New England as number one. So they're essentially number one in the league at stopping other teams. Kansas City is better than I thought. They're 13, but they're just kind of right in the middle of stopping teams. Now, if you look at time of possession, 49ers are top five in time of possession, and Kansas City was in the bottom 10. And I think that hurts the defense, who are already playing at a disadvantage for Kansas City just because – even if Mahomes is scoring, that defense is going to be tired because they're going to be dealing with a seven-minute 49ers, Raheem Mostert, or Mostert and Jimmy Garoppolo, Dink and Dunk, to Debo Samuel, drive down the field for seven minutes. Mahomes is going to go on the field and either have a three and out or a six-play touchdown drive. The defense is going to get three minutes of rest, be right back on the field. I can see this Chiefs defense by the fourth quarter have already been on the field for – 40 minutes and they're used to playing probably 33 minutes on the field. I just think that that matches up poorly for a team that's probably got the disadvantage of any disadvantage in this game being on the defensive side. So, you know, I get all that, but just humor me and listen to Patrick Mahomes postseason stats. He's played four postseason games in his career. He has almost 1200 passing yards. So it's average about 300 passing yards per game. 11 passing touchdowns and two rushing touchdowns, so 13 total touchdowns. Um, That breaks down to more than three touchdowns per game. Almost 10 yards per attempt, not per completion, per attempt. And my guy has not turned the ball over a single time. 300 yards passing per game, over three touchdowns per game, almost 10 yards per attempt, zero turnovers. I am telling you right now for a while, I 
in weeks leading up to this, I was anti Kansas City Chiefs winning the Super Bowl for one reason and one reason only. I didn't want the Patrick Mahomes era to start this soon because he's going to dominate the league for the next 10 to 15 years. I didn't want it to start right now, but I'm fully submitting to it. Patrick Mahomes is going to have a day. Patrick Mahomes is going to win the Super Bowl MVP. And by this time tomorrow, we're going to be saying this is Kansas City's league. And Patrick Mahomes is the one leading it. And he's going to be the guy to watch for the next 15 years. And this is going to be the start of his era. Tom Brady officially has passed off the baton. This is now the Kansas City Chiefs Patrick Mahomes era. I think it starts today. What was your bet? I'm sorry. Mine was 30 to return 30. What was yours? Uh, 10 to return 12 because I had the alternate line. Oh, okay. So you're not you're betting a third of what I'm betting? Yep. Oh, okay. So you're less confident then, right? Uh, yeah. Yeah, I, f- I feel like that's what it adds up to. But that's pretty much it. That's all. <clears throat> you want to do a quick rundown of what you got? Because I think we might have missed that second chunk we had just in case. For sure. That's smart because we definitely probably missed that second chunk. We've had some techni- <laughs> technical difficulties, unfortunately, on this fun day. But a quick rundown. The first bet we talked about, John Jones, minus 450, 10 to return, two and a quarter. Second bet, Jimmy G to get 250 passing yards and two or more touchdowns. Five to return seven. Coin toss to get heads. The easiest money you'll ever get. Seven to return 6.15. The over on the Super Bowl, 54. Eight to return seven. And Kansas City money line rolling my last bet to be at odds biggest bet ever. 30 to return 30. My total bet is 60. And my possible winnings are 52.4 here on this beautiful Super Bowl Sunday. So I got uh, John Jones, again, minus 450, 15 for 333. Jimmy G's first pass be greater than Tyson Fury, Deontay Wilder, total rounds, uh, 10 for 833. Uh, Omaha versus uh, South Dakota, at minus one for Omaha, 10 for 952. Will there be an onside kick? Yes, 10 for 20. And then San Fran, minus two and a half, 10 for 12, for a total of uh, 55 and a return of 53.29. So we're we're pretty close on on those. Um, we've got also the head to head. I want to explain. I did a little bit earlier, but I don't know if it cut off. Uh, Jared's up four to six because he took the 49ers last week. I took the Titans. That wasn't a head to head. That was just more pick a AFC <coughs> NFC champion. Um, but how we're gonna do it so I can at least redeem myself maybe a little bit. Going into today, I have the Chiefs. If the Chiefs win, I get one point towards our head to head. If the 49ers win, Jared will get a bonus point plus his normal head to head point. So four to six right now. If Jared wins, it'll be four to eight. He'll double me up actually. But if Kansas city wins, I'll, I'll pull it within one five to six. That's pretty much all I got. I'm, I'm ready to win some money here. Super bowl Sunday. What about you, Jared? Yeah, I'm ready for this. Should be a good one. We got some interesting bets out there. So I think maybe best bet of all time still is Jimmy Garoppolo's first pass completion to go over the, rounds of a boxing fight that happens in two weeks all right thank you for all listening to at odds here on super bowl sunday we'll get you back in the off season line those pocketbooks baby all right good luck everybody